Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Hot Takes. I'm your Lodge Master with me as always is Brother Bishki. Let's get freaked out. Yeah. And Brother Lucas. Super freak, super freak, super freak. And tonight we have esteemed superstar guest, Brother Justin. I think you're freaky and I like you a lot. Yeah, the movie is freaky. It is a Blumhouse joint. And it stars the one, the only, Vincent Vaughn. Have we covered any Vince Vaughn in this podcast? Double V. I don't think so. You guys didn't do Dragged Across Concrete? We didn't. We did not. What's the Vaughn temperature here? I mean, I'm sure we all loved swingers, right? Yeah. Like, how how could you not? How could you be our age and not love swingers? I took swing dancing lessons in high school (laughs) because of swingers. Yeah, I was all in. I had the black and white wing tips and everything. <laughs> I had a chain wallet. Yeah, I got a bowling shirt. <laughs> all right. So, but what about what about his later career after that? Like, how 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 deep and how far have we followed Mr. Vaughn? I definitely followed him after Swingers, and I thought it was interesting how his career. Granted, Swingers was like a comedy, but he he was doing like straight dramas like like uh, yeah. return to paradise the cell yep i mean the lost world jurassic park that's more of an action adventure but it's very straightforward he's playing a straight you know uh character like a photographer but then i think with like old school in the wedding crashers in the mid aughts uh he kind of pivoted into this big broad studio comedy where he kind of floundered and and got stuck in my opinion in this like weird rut that he's only started to kind of sort of pull himself out of these last few years which is interesting but i i like him i mean i know he's not for everyone and he can come off as obnoxious in some of the movies but i don't know i just find him to be entertaining like he, he he works for me he was stuck in a weird rut making a ton of money (laughs) He was stuck in a money rut. And some of those comedies, you can just see how depressed he is, like how just unchallenged he is. I remember the breakup with Jennifer Anderson I saw in a theater that was sold out back when we had movie theaters. And there was Jennifer Anderson. There was one laugh in the entire movie. And it was when Jason Bateman was like, I'll do the divorce case for free. And he was like, really? And he was like, is what I'd want to say but I'm going to have to charge you. And it was like so good. It's like delivery. Yeah, I think the end of that big budget like comedy boom for him was that movie where he was like an intern at Google. And it just the looked internship? like... Yeah, it just looked like the least funny goddamn movie in the universe. And I think he was like, all right, I yeah, made my but- money. Let's... Let's do something interesting. <laughs> yeah. What's this true detective script? Let's do this. Well, that brings us to Freaky, and Freaky does at least attempt to do something interesting, which is blend horror and comedy. And they do it by shellacking the tried and true body swap formula that was so popular in the late 70s and you know 80s with like Freaky Friday and vice versa and 18 again and bringing it into a horror realm where it's a serial killer swapping with a teenage girl. 
and that's the hook, we got to figure out if they pulled it off or not. <laughs> yeah, that's a solid premise, if you ask me. It is, me. yeah. I love the premise. And I love the cold open. It's like Wednesday the 11th, you know? <laughs> yep, you know it's leading up to that freaky Friday the 13th. So the director, I think, had a little pedigree, so it was probably easier to get this movie made than, let's say, a first-time director. Because I've been in pitch meetings with Lodge Master where we pitched an R-rated <laughs> mind swap comedy, and you yes. could just feel the energy drain from the room. The execs <laughs> were just like, please get the fuck out of here. Like, take a cliff bar, take a bottle of water, but just go home. So we've seen it firsthand how difficult it is. Yes, and that's good to point out because the director did Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. And this is basically in that exact same tone and format. You can totally trace it to those other movies. And it looks slick. It looks good. But... Right off the bat, the first kills seemed a little too amused with themselves for me, for my taste. Like, it felt like the movie thought it was more clever than it was. And I don't, I tried to put that out of my mind, but that was my first impression. So, what did you guys feel when you were being confronted with comedy and gore right off the bat? I mean, there's four big kills right up front by Vince Vaughn and is a serial killer. And wearing like a Jason mask, kind of. It was kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, this is off to a brisk pace. Like, usually you have to wait a while, and there's only one kill or something like that. I was like, I was, I, and I so I had to look up, you know, the writer-director, because I didn't know at that point. I was like, oh, this guy's done some stuff. He wrote some some of the uh, paranormal activity movies I liked. I, I do need to see Happy Death Day. I, I've heard good things. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen those either. But he also, the, the writer-director is Christopher Landon. He also wrote uh, the Shia LaBeouf movie Disturbia, which was like rear window, uh, but for high school teenagers. And yeah, he owns this kind of genre. It's like a mashup of like Kevin Williamson's Scream or Josh Whedon's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. The premise of all of those is so excellent in elevator pitch form. Like, it's Freaky Friday, but a serial killer and a teenage girl. Or it's Groundhog Day, but not. Yeah, I love, I love all those premises. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, Death Day. But, like, yeah, I, I think I was... I was into it even like even though tonally it, it was kind of weird to have so much gore and violence up front. I was like, I knew what it was that I was getting into. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, so they're establishing the killer and what he does. So that way when he switches bodies later, we know what to expect. We see the town of Blissfield <laughs> and we meet these, in my opinion, stock sidekicks, stock bullies, stock jock with a heart of gold crush for our main character. And I don't know, like, I just wasn't vibing with the humor. Like, it felt like these jokes were just outdated or something. I, I, I don't I don't understand why I wasn't vibing with it, because, I, again, like the premise was great, but oh, I just the jokes were rubbing me the wrong way. I couldn't quite understand why why she was being bullied. Like, yeah, she was like a <laughs> yeah. pretty good looking high school girl and she was just getting shit on by everyone, which I guess I assumed was like setting up for the kills. But then. But not really. She, but it's not like revenge because it's a serial killer. I don't know. It's kind of, it was a, 
Interesting. Anyway. Yeah, well, I, I want your guys' take on this because in movies, high school bullying seems so trite and just it completely made up. Like, it rarely seems <laughs> like it's drawn yeah. from personal experience. Yes. Um, it just, it it like how people who decided to move to Hollywood to be screenwriters retroactively think football players are is like a little cartoonish. Like, <laughs> I mean, how like if you're a nerd in high school, you probably just didn't interact with the football team. They didn't know your yeah. name. They didn't come to your locker and shove you into it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. And like just the whole tr- like the trope of having like almost everyone on the football team just literally be a rapist. It's yes, like, geez, yes. man, how much do you hate sports? <laughs> well, that's why these characters to me felt so stock because it, they're not motivated by anything other than other movies that have had these characters. And we have this bully that they set up as the antagonist. We have Alan Ruck as the woodshop teacher with a <laughs> nice Fu Manchu mustache. He's so who's good. just who he's but so he's good. like he's like psychotically like bullying this girl as well. Yeah. It's like, where did that come from? And then no, I know. in the back of your mind, you start doing the math and you're like, oh, they're quickly setting up these like ridiculous caricatures so that they can get killed. Yeah, And then you're like, well, okay, now I'm just like looking at the, the mechanics of this movie rather than getting lost in the story of it. And that's, yeah. that's a little disheartening when that happens. I totally agree. And I think it's one of the reasons why horror comedy is kind of a bad word as a combo. Because it better fucking be funny. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. right. the tone yeah. is way off. Because movies that go for straight like horror... They have a certain tone, and if you're cutting that tone with a bunch of jokes, they better land, or else you you just did nothing but sacrifice scares. Yeah, that's why for me this movie is horror attempted comedy. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just like, well, maybe it just wasn't connecting with me. Well, I wonder too. Like, I'm I'm sure all of us have seen, you know, at least a hundred '80s horror movies. The humor that a lot of horror writers and directors have is is pretty awful most of the time. <laughs> that and is you, true. You're still having fun, but the the stereotypes, like instead of the jocks being a bunch of like villains, it was the nerds being like nerds turned up to twelve, where they're just like yeah. they have tape on their glasses and they're just like, "But what are you doing here at camp?" <laughs> And it's like, that's right. It's like a weird Jerry Lewis nerd trope. So I think like we're just seeing modern versions of that kind of just unfunny comedic sensibility in action. Yeah. But I I could see a lot of people saying this was hilarious, you know, like it scares and it's laughs. It's the perfect combo. So I don't know. It might it might be a taste thing. It would also help too if we watched it in a theater with an audience. Like I couldn't help but think like a Tuesday night discount yeah. crowd. That's like, a great this, point. This would kill like coming from the yard house with a couple beers. Yes. Like yeah. yeah. But when you're alone, yeah, you're right. You know that you see all the cracks and like you see all the like yep. you know little mechanics. Uh, fit, of it, yeah. yeah, exactly. Where you you see how they're trying really hard because you're right. Like a lot of it is like. Uh, you know, contrived. That's a great point, Lucas. 
I saw both Happy Death Day movies in the theater, and they went over incredibly well. Yeah, I think teenagers are going to respond to this. Like, I don't know. I think we've yeah. if you've seen enough horror and you see what's what, where it's headed, then it's a little less exciting. But these the teens for the teens, this one is probably a solid uh, film. Yeah. Well, to me, because I didn't care about the characters, and it was just kind of this slickly presented product, the whole style and vibe started feeling to me like a commercial for Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. Like it seemed like some like new maze that you could go through, some sort of high school killer stock in the high school maze. Cause like, I didn't care about anybody. <laughs> so that's why it started feeling like just this commercial for something else. Well, there are a lot of, I felt homages in the film to like other horror movies, you know, like I mentioned scream earlier, like in that movie, one of the characters, brothers, a deputy in this movie, one of the characters, sisters yep. is a deputy. There's like allusions to Carrie. There's allusions to, yeah, Friday the 13th, obviously. And, and one Halloween. of the football players name on the back of his Jersey is Strode. Oh, nice. I didn't catch that. Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, there was like a bunch of visual cues too, that were like playing homage, you know, with weapons like Texas chainsaw massacre or what, whatever it was like there, there were a lot of nods I saw or, or winks. To past horror movies. Right, which is fine, but to me, the biggest problem that I had with this was that Millie, the main character, and Vince, Vince, <laughs> yes, Vince Vaughn, the serial killer, they don't have any connection. Like, it's two random people being swapped. And for me, half the fun of these body swap movies is one person's trying to seamlessly fit into the life of the person that they're inhabiting. And this, it's just like the killer goes into Millie's body. She doesn't know about the the history of bullying at her school. Like she doesn't know any of the kids. She doesn't know the teacher, but yet she still kills the bully like right away. So that whole thread of this, you know, nemesis is gone. She kills the teacher in like a respectably gory way, but still it's like, are you feeling anything? These characters are just randomly inhabiting each other, pretty much. Yeah, it's not like a mother-daughter swap. Like a mother-daughter swap, you know, the mother knows the daughter, the daughter knows the mother, so they can play off each other. But with this, it's just this random psycho serial killer. It's crazy. It just feels hollow. And the serial killer comes into the high school, and she's like super hot all of a sudden. I didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah, right. This is this is the most flagrant guys being mean to an attractive girl since the craft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four incredibly hot goth girls are like, guys are making fun of them. It's like, come on, come yeah. on the fuck out of here with this. These women are gorgeous. Well, so what's the solution? Should her dad have been a serial killer instead of yes. having died a year ago? There needed to be some sort of connection. And I, I kept waiting for that, but then the movie was almost over and I'm like, this... This is never going to happen. They, d- they just are literally two random people that have swapped into each other's bodies. And the killer isn't developed at all. Like, the tale is that he just kills teens for being debaucherous. And it's like, okay, that's it. That's all we get about this guy. He, he has yeah. a, a creepy dwelling that he lives in that's, like, overdone in the creep department, which is pretty funny. 
There's like a dirty mattress on the floor and mannequins like everywhere. But if you don't know who a character is, then you're just left with the plot mechanics. And that's when it just feels like, you know, like a theme park ride to me. Well, it was funny too, because you didn't hear him speak until he was in the body of the girl. And I thought the scene where he wakes up and her body was pretty well handled, like she did kind of feel psychotic, like looking around kind of like the T-1000, like, yeah, what is this environment? What is happening? But then it kind of gets back into Cartoonville when she sits down to breakfast and just starts shoveling food in her mouth like a, <laughs> just like a goat. Like a like, psycho oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> This is never funny. It's a trope yeah. that I just can't stand. It's like <laughs> if you were on a deserted island without food for a week and a half, you wouldn't eat like that. Where are the manners at this breakfast table? Um, most of the focus is on Vince Vaughn acting like a teenage girl. Because, you know, Vince Vaughn's this huge hulking, like, dude, and he plays teenage female, like, pretty entertainingly. And that's kind of the thrust of the movie, is just watching Vince Vaughn act like this. (laughs) And I think he plays it really well. But... Then again, this movie is constantly trying to shoehorn in like sentimental stuff about Millie's mm. like dead dad and yeah. like her mom being an alcoholic. And it's just like the movie is so like fast paced. Why are you throwing a spike strip in front of your speeding wheels with these scenes that who gives a shit? You know, like this movie is a gimmick. So just play to the gimmick and make it as fun as you can. I didn't need the sentimental bullshit in this movie. No, yeah. There was a scene in like a dressing room where... Extended scene. Extended scene where Vince Vaughn as the daughter is talking to the mother and they're having this like heart to heart. And it's just <laughs> it just goes on and on. And then all of a sudden the mother like wants to go on a date with Vince Vaughn, who's the daughter. And they're like, no, and it's just, I don't know. It just... Which which is where the straight comedy movie would go, yeah. But this movie is split in two with its with its allegiances. So that's when the scene ends, and the kids, her friends, run in, and okay, so they have to sneak him out of the store, and they put a mask on him. They have countless opportunities of different, you know, horror in-jokes. It could be a William Shatner mask. It could be anything in the world that would get a, a knowing horror chuckle. What do they give him for a mask? An Aaron Rodgers mask. <laughs> of all your cultural references, pop cultural references, you pick the Packers quarterback, and he ends up looking like Ronald Reagan mask from Point Break anyway. So (laughs) what the fuck was that all about? You know, Matt, as a lifelong Bears fan, the Aaron Rodgers mask was pretty scary. (laughs) Well, fair enough. But if this movie is so, like, intent on being, you know, a winking insider joke horror movie, Aaron Rodgers? Like... What do you? I don't. Matt, know. Matt, it, it, you know, as a lifelong Vikings fan, Skull, uh, <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers mask. I agree with you. Did not get a laugh from me at all. I was, I was not amused. You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that that was their third string choice. Sure, I think sure, they couldn't clear sure. something or Justin Bieber. Some, 
Yeah, somebody somebody threw a monkey wrench in that whole plan from legal, mm-hmm. and they had to pivot. Yeah, you're right. You know, love and light, where do there? I think there's a good scene where one of Millie's friends is tasked with watching her, you know, and she's inhabited by the serial killer. And the guy's mom comes home and he frantically has to explain everything. And that's when, you know, she gets loose and chases them around the house. I thought that scene was pretty, pretty well done. And there's a reference to a shot from The Shining, kind of shot from below as she's trying to get break into this door which I thought was cute. But then they go back to that shot four more times, which I'm like, oh, just the sensibilities, they're almost there, but they end up rubbing me the wrong way. And I feel like a grump, but got to be honest. Well, I like that scene too, because the the gay friend tries to pretend like he's straight to his mom. It's great. To get great. out of a jam, which is a good way to turn that trope on his head. And she's not buying it at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's a scene, any scene with Millie's crush, the the jock, and Vince Vaughn, I thought were great. Those two have tons of chemistry, more chemistry than anybody else in the movie. And that's kind of what what made me wish it was just a straight-up teen movie without the horror aspect. Because there's like this one-take scene where it's in the back of a car, and they're kind of like falling for each other. And that scene alone is like worth a full bone from me, you know, divorced from everything else in the movie. It's so well handled and it climaxes in a kiss between these two. Yeah. Like it's, I thought that was great. Vince Vaughn was like. I love that. I I not only love that scene, but there was a scene previous to that where uh, Vince Vaughn as the girl has to convince the high school boy that it's her. And the only way Vince Vaughn can do it is by reciting this poem Yes. Uh, that the girl wrote and put in his locker. And again, I wish they had established that earlier, the poem, because I didn't really catch that. So when 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 he started reciting it, I didn't quite get it at first. But then once I understood the point of the scene, I was laughing. Like, I thought, like, that's pretty funny. Like, you know, yeah. um, it got me. It definitely got me. But I hear I hear all, all your points are valid. Like, absolutely. It, it is a fine line. And I haven't seen any of his other movies that he's directed, Christopher Landon, like Death's Day or what have you. But yeah, the horror comedy, I, I mean, leave it to Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson and like no one else. Like, I, I can't even think of another <laughs> uh, director, right? Like, or filmmaker that can do it so deftly or, or you know, ones, se- yeah. seamlessly. It's tough. Yeah. Edgar Wright with Shaun of the Dead, I think, is a, is a yeah. good example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No joke, man. Happy Death Day is three bones. I think yeah. it's, it's good. I think it's I good. fantastic. I'm going to see that. Yeah. I remember when we were in the before times going to the theater a lot, <laughs> seeing a trailer for the sequel, and it looked like a great concept. Like, I love Groundhog Day. You know, like, I love that premise. They're all four bone concepts. It's just what happens when you actually put a camera in front of them. Yeah. Mm. So. We go to the big uh, homecoming dance at the old mill, and uh, the body count goes up. And then there's a big, big chase and a showdown, which to me felt like an extra long season finale of like some sort of supernatural teen show on like WB or whatever the CW. Some sort of supernatural show whose title I can't think of. Yeah, I can't I can't think of it. <laughs> like a kid in some kind of a store. But what did you guys think of that initial showdown with the dagger? 
Yeah, I thought uh, the the football field was uh, an interesting set piece because then, like, I guess the football field was built like on an ancient Aztec pyramid or something. Like they they like flashback to show you what it once was to kind of give you, I guess. like some oh. special meaning. <laughs> yeah, that, but that, it's, that it's, budget flex. Yeah, but it's so thin. <laughs> it's like the thinnest of. Uh, narrative devices or plot points like it didn't like i felt like yeah it would have been like you said better if we knew more about who vince vaughn was as a serial killer like maybe he's into voodoo like maybe he's looking to like sacrifice someone and it goes wrong because he gets the words right. wrong or something but instead it's just like oh just we're random yeah we're establishing this MacGuffin, which is like a literal dra uh, dagger taken from like the golden child and you know we're gonna <laughs> use it as this like MacGuffin, which is tedious like it doesn't it's not as funny you know unless unless it's like a dildo it's like a steely dan or something interesting yes <laughs> Uh, see, that's what that's that's the kind of punch ups I'm talking about here, you know. So they switch back, everything is back to normal, but then there's a second protracted showdown involving Millie and her sister and her mom fighting with uh, Vince Vaughn, who's back. And you know, they they set up a good ending by having the jock who Millie has a crush on tell her in Vince Vaughn's body that intelligence is stronger than size and muscle. And so I was, I was expecting her to outsmart him somehow at the end, but to get the upper hand, she just kicks him in the balls, which I yeah. guess is smart. But like, how is that memorable? Is that interesting? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, the ending to me is where it really lost me because they set up that the dagger is still around. Vince Vaughn's <laughs> in the ambulance yeah. And you clearly, in this day and age, want to set up sequels. Sure. So how the hell does Vince Vaughn not show up at her house and go, okay, stop, it's it's me, and it's, yeah. it's someone yeah. else, you know, so that they yeah. have to team up to set up another story. It, sure. To me, it, it, like, it just rang as, like, forced kind of, like, girl power ending. I get the sentiment. And I appreciate the sentiment. But you got to do it in a cool way. Yeah, that's not the movie you were making. You're making a an R-rated horror mind swap comedy. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Bishki, what did you think of that ending? The tecton? Ah, no. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> uh, it's so ridiculous. I don't know. Nice. I felt it, I felt it was superfluous. Like, I was... I was content and like satisfied with the cops just like shooting Vince Vaughn dead after he switched yeah. back into his yeah. own body. And I kind of felt, I kind of felt bad in a way cause I had spent so much time watching Vince Vaughn as the girl so that when he died, yeah. I was like, Oh shit, that kind of sucks. Oh wait, but it was the serial killer. That's right. So it doesn't suck. But I, right. I kind of like accepted that as the resolution as neat and tidy and abrupt as it was. So when it went into like the, you know, second the extra climax, ending. Yeah, I, I didn't really need it. It didn't really like matter to me. I was like, okay, we can have some more kills or whatever. But uh, yeah. And the worst thing you want from a horror movie is to end it with a apathetic shrug. And hey, <laughs> That's exactly what I did. So let's go to them freaky bones. 
Lucas, you're fired up. What do you got? I uh, I really needed this movie in my life right now. I um been watching a lot of stuff lately, and a lot of it's just not great. And I'm not really yeah catching feels the way I used to. I'm pretty beat up just from the, <laughs> the the year of 2020 in general, like we all are. Of course, um, of course. So when I so when I put this on um, late last night, actually, it was a late Saturday night. I was in the zone, as as they say. I I you were had a ready. Good dinner. I had some beer. Nice. I had eaten some edibles. I was smoking a joint. Um, wow. I was you know chuckling or laughing like intermittently. But I couldn't help but think, like, man, I really wish this was in a theater. Like, if anything is screaming for a communal experience, it's like Vince Vaughn screaming, you know, like hysterical at something and then running away, like, yeah. with these limp, dainty arms or whatever. And it's funny. Like, I, I want to see that. And, yeah, like, I wish the the story or plot could have been a little better and like you could have had more jokes and and better kills but for what it was like the concept was so great and i think what really kind of sweetened the concept like what sells the sizzle is that it is vince vaughn right like that's yep. kind of the whole point like i don't think jason Bourne would have like would have greenlit it without vince vaughn but let's like hey we can get it to vince vaughn and he'll say yes like we've got ourselves a movie and so that to right. me raises like it from two bones to two and a half. Like I'll give it that extra half Whoa. bump for for Vaughn. So that's two and a half from Brother Lucas. That's it's the like the most love and light you've blasted out in as long as I could remember on this podcast. All right, Brother Justin, what do you got cooking up for these freaky bones? Man, now imagine if the movie took place underwater. But really <laughs> during a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. With some with some alligators or crocodile. <laughs> Vince Vaughn switches into a crocodile body. Yeah. <laughs> uh well, I probably should have stood up for it a half hour ago, but I actually enjoyed the cold open a lot more. I think I thought the kills were pretty good. I thought they were. I clever. like the wine bottle. Yeah, yeah. The, the the first one, the wine bottle was really great, um, and just the the whole setup is so simple and elegant. Like, oh, my rich dad is an art collector. He has all this weird shit. I'm like, done, great, no intro needed where it's 30 years ago and someone's running through the jungle <laughs> like yeah <laughs> fucking crazy rich guys have crazy art so yeah it it started off pretty good with me um i think you know lodge master i had a lot of the same tone problems you did and with horror comedy man like i said the jokes have to land but you know the scene alone in the back seat where it just fulfills the promise of the movie you're like, oh, this yeah. is this is why you do it. This is why you push this as far as it needs to go, so we can have this moment in the back seat. So stuff like that, I really appreciated. Um, yeah, I'm I'm right there with Brother Lucas. I got to give this two and a half bones. Two and a half. I think with a stronger ending, it may have been a little more difficult to go that low, but I fiercely disliked the ending as it was. And that just kind of prevented it from being a must watch for me. But yeah, solid two and a half bones. Two and a half bones, Brother Bishki. I think Brother Bishki's gonna be a Grinch on these bones. You know, uh, no, you know, we've been watching some uh, really shitty VOD horror movies, <laughs> and it's just good to see a big, a fair budget studio 
horror movie like this, like where they put the money in, they got yep. Vince Vaughn, they got some decent actors, they got, you know, the director who, who can, you know, and, and the, the, I was impressed like right off the bat along with Justin uh, of the opening. Um, I was just like, this is confidently directed. This is like moving right along. It's not like dilly dallying and it's just like, you know, going for the kills and then we're right after the races with our premise. And it's just kind of how do they deliver on that premise? And that's where I had some of the issues that Lodgemaster had with um just the fact that they didn't know each other, the the swapping is weird. I don't know, you just it couldn't quite deliver on the humor front for me. I mean, the horror front, I yeah. think the movie's fine, but the humor front, I was not laughing too much. So in the final analysis, I'm gonna give it two bones, but I am going to go back and revisit Happy Death Day because I think this director is special. And I think he's, um, you know, if he didn't knock it out of the park this time, maybe he will next time. So I was entertained and it would have been a hell of a lot more entertained with a Tuesday night discount crowd, but hopefully that'll happen soon. So that's a two boner to Brother Bishke. Okay. So we got two and a half, two and a half, two. And, you know, it's been said, I love the concept. On paper, it's a four-bone concept. And in practice, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it fit. Like it felt like a shoe that wasn't quite the right size. And, you know, if you're blending these two seemingly disparate subgenres, you got to make sure they're both on point if you're going to mix them. And I feel like the filmmakers knew that they had a, a cool premise and they were satisfied with that. And they didn't push it as far enough as they needed to to make sure that it was going to fulfill that premise and make good on it. So, I, you know, any enjoyment I was having was constantly getting interrupted by something that wasn't working for me. So, I am tempted to go one and a half, but Lucas's assertion that this would have played so much better on a Tuesday night discount night. Discount night. It's so true, and I feel it on such a molecular level that I'm bumping it up to two bones because yeah. it would have played so much better with a crowd, and I might even have gone to two and a half, depending on how long we'd spent at the yard house imbibing you know, what, what we had smoked. And it, it's just built for that. It's built for that environment. And to watch it alone with your arms crossed is just doing everything a disservice. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to bake in that love and light and, you know, acknowledge that. So I'm going two bones, put it on the record. Final answer. Fuck you, quarantine. <laughs> Fuck you, quarantine. Lockdown week 40. Oh, my God. Let's end this shit. No. No, it's not yeah. week 40, is it? Yeah, we're on week 40 this oh, week. Yeah. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh. Uh, lockdown hot takes. <laughs> oh, get us back. Get us back at the edge. Oh, my gosh. So many hot takes. I'm burning alive over here. Oh, oh it's so hot. It's so hot. We'll be back. We'll be back. We're keeping it rolling. Brother, oh. Justin, Brother Justin, thanks for uh, coming out and getting freaky with us. Hey, anytime, gents. Oh, and one fine day. One fine day we'll hit that discount night again. I don't I don't think it'll I don't think it'll be next year because I just found out that Warner Brothers is dumping their entire slate to HBO Max 2021. Whatever's in theaters, as soon as I get that vaccine, I'm running to the theater. So I don't care. we're just sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, boys. We'll keep the home fires burning. Love and light to you. Love and light, fellas. Love and light, y'all. Love and light. I'm mercy. Girl, you're looking sexy. Moving all across the floor. I'm mercy. Girl, you look so sexy. Saw you coming through the top. Oh, baby. Such a fine lady. Talking in your voice is deep. Oh, baby. Such a fine lady. I can hardly speak. Monique. What are you doing here at camp?